sometimes re- Ah, welcome to our study. <laughs> what you know? Whatever happened to a man's study? Did it just turn into oh, a man cave? Rob, that's the wrong music. No, aren't we the sometimes reader? Oh wait, this is a baby, isn't it? Wow, too many theme songs. Oh boy! All right, I guess do we over. Have to start over. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. Welcome to our nursery. Oh, hi. I'm going to leave all that other stuff in, though. <laughs> yeah, why the hell not? Why not a false start? Let's see if anyone notices or cares. That's right. Welcome to King Me Babies. Where... Oh, and if you're hearing the sound of the man baby, and man, you know it's time for baby... This is our series where we look at dollar baby adaptations of Stephen King short stories. Those are adaptations, non-commercial adaptations, uh, a part of Stephen King's dollar baby program where he gives you the rights for a non-commercial adaptation for one dollar. <laughs> Dare me to say non-commercial adaptation one more time. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly what the dollar baby program is, Dan. And uh, what are we talking about this week? What baby? Well, we're talking about how fucking eventual everything is. Uh, A phrase I never hope to hear again. I've heard it too many times. I've read it too many times. Much like, much like the esoteric symbols uh, drawn by our protagonists. Mm-hmm. That phrase has driven me to the brink of self-harm. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Sick of it. Uh, so everything's eventual. Apparently. Including our conversation about everything's eventual. But Rob, before we get into it, I just want to ask, how you doing? <laughs> how you been? How you sleeping? <laughs> how you sleeping, child? <laughs> I'm great, Dan. How are you? Is your car still on fire? The fire has been put out. The car is no no longer on fire. It it has been parallel parked. Mm. Okay. Um, and there shall it sit until a claims adjuster comes and says, "Yep, that was on fire." Yep. Looks like a yeah. fire happened here. <laughs> <laughs> Straightens his tie <laughs> or her tie. <laughs> 
trick trick question. The adjuster was a woman the whole time. I cannot file the claim. This car was my son. How is this possible? (laughs) (laughs) The adjuster was Lightning McQueen. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Dan, uh, speaking of fire... Have you heard the uh, the new "We Didn't Start the Fire" by Ooh. Fallout Boy? Um, I have not heard about it. I think I started reading the lyrics, and <laughs> I, I had to take a break. <laughs> it's too many things. He he's listing yeah. everything. <laughs> the The thing about it, the thing about the original "We Didn't Start the Fire," is that it is loosely in chronological order. Yeah, this is not in right. chronological order. This is not in at all rhyming order. Whatever works best. <laughs> Whatever did fits you, in. Um, did you ever hear my contemporary We Didn't Start the Fire? Mm, I don't think so. Oh, man. It's. So uh, you already did a contemporary version of this song, and Fallout Boy has stolen from you? I won't say stolen, but. Possibly they were inspired by. Mm. Um, uh, mine was mine was more like Brendan Fraser, Chris Kattan, John Turturro, Rose McGowan. It was about the cast of Monkey Bone. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that the just, cast of Monkey Bone? <laughs> yeah, and the chorus was, "This is the cast of Monkey Bone." <laughs> This is the cast of 2001's Monkey Bone. Yeah. It's really hard to rhyme the names of all the cast. Yeah. But imagine imagine when you get to like the uh like the the sort of like, you know when like he really emphatically ends a verse yeah. Billy Joel does going Right, when he's like I I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Mine was Pat Kilbane, Lisa Zane, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I mean, when you get Pat Kilbane and Lisa Zane. That's pretty good. Isn't that lucky? Yeah, you lucked out with those two being in the cast. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I heard the song and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, that's the same same kind of song that that first, the Billy Joel song is bad. Uh, that's just a list of things, and then yeah. uh, and now this is also just a list of things. And I saw somebody online was like, somebody should make one of these songs like every twenty years. Someone should make one of these songs for conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god, all- Dan. I'm sorry, Dan. Can we write the conservative version of "We Didn't Start the Fire" and just sell out already, please? Sleepy <laughs> Joe, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe. Um, so I'm looking at the lyrics for this now. <laughs> but actually, before before here's what I want to say in response to someone should write one of these every 20 years. Yeah. Two things, I guess. First is no, they shouldn't. Second of all, if you have you ever gone if you ever go on YouTube and you type in we didn't start the fire like 2010 edition like people have been doing this yeah of course since time immemorial since the because since the, even the original song anybody could have written that it is not specific yeah. to Billy Joel yeah. like Billy Joel just happened to write that fucking song but 
I mean, again, it is just a list of things. It's like, uh, uh, you know, that's REM song. Um, it's the end of the world. It, it has like mm-hmm. a similar kind of thing where it's just like, you know, a list of things, but it's all, it's much faster. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's even something, you know? Yeah. Um, this one is like, also they do, it looks like they do a lot of like stretching too, right? Where they'll say something and then the thing right after it will be the same thing. Like the first line of the song is Captain Planet, Arab Spring, LA Riots, Rodney King. Uh Uh-huh. LA Riots and Rodney King are the same. It's like the same thing. That's the same thing. Yeah. 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 And then. Yeah. Nuclear accident, Fukushima, Japan. That's all one thing. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying that Fallout Boy did it wrong? I, yeah. I mean, I guess there's no right way to do it. Yeah, but if you're going to, if you're doing the same thing. Yeah. I feel like comedically you would have to, it just doesn't work. It's not an A to A kind of thing. Uh, So... I think there's also a problem with like scale here where like, <laughs> like yeah. these are all in the same line, right? Like balloon boy, war on terror, QAnon, <laughs> Firefest, black parade, Michael Phelps, Y2K. Like, what are you, this is like, I think part of the issue too is like no monoculture, right? Yeah. So, sure. Just saying any two of these things feels like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it, sure. it feels way more like randomly selected, even than even than the original. Yep. Yeah, I mean, wow. I'm, I'm reading the original here, and that's pretty, I don't know. What we got I'll here? go to bat for the original. I'm ready to do it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why the sure. hell not? I got nothing else going on. I mean, it do, it goes from uh, uh, was it Kennedy to Chubby Checkers to Psycho to Chubby Belgians Checkers, in the Congo? Psycho, yeah, Belgians in the Congo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what do we have here? Crockett, British politician Peter sex. Pan. JFK blown away. British politician sex is <laughs> one of the. One of the worst phrases you could ever hope to hear. Yeah, what? Uh, I don't know what that's in it, reference to. <laughs> it gets worse with each word, right? Yeah. Is it just the fact that like uh, British politicians were, uh, you know, like uh, having having sex parties or something? Yeah, in Britain, it's a scandal when a man puts his John Thomas in a woman's <laughs> fanny. His uh, his his Tadja. <laughs> His bell end. <laughs> you put your bell end in her fanny. <laughs> so, um, ISIS, LeBron James, Shinzo Abe, blown away. Interesting. It's also weird to put a blown away just like in the middle of yeah. a verse, right? Like, J- no, JFK gets blown away. Yeah, I mean. Everybody's getting blown away. This, um, the the original song also feels like such a. Uh, I mean, it's it feels like such a specific boomer song, and yeah, uh, and this is like now this is like the millennial version of this song, and I feel like nobody was asking for it. <laughs> yeah, I think like 
Millennials I mean, are like, not, I can't. I'm trying to afford rent. I can't be bothered with it. Right. Also, I'm mentally ill because I already remember all of these things. You right. The, the issue isn't that I don't. It was like a year ago. Right. Um, with the with the original, it seems more like more likely. I don't know. I'm not a boomer. I can't. I can't ever put myself in that mindset. Maybe, you know, if I yeah. eat a bunch of, uh, like insulation out of an unfinished attic, yes, I could, I could get there. Um, but <laughs> to me, it seems like the reason that song, like the original has any kind of like staying power is because like Americans didn't really realize how like, sort of like force fed spectacle. Sure. They were. Yeah. 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 You know? Right. And so like having it distilled into that whole thing or having it distilled into a song, everyone's just like, Holy shit. I guess, uh, I guess there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was also made in a time when, right. You could, if you didn't read a newspaper or didn't watch the news, you could literally, you could just avoid all news. You could avoid yeah. everything that's going on in the world. What a time to be alive. Uh, and take me back. Yeah. I you know that that feels to ignorance. <laughs> absolutely impossible now. <laughs> uh okay. Well, speaking of boomers and their political takes, uh we're talking about everything's eventual mm-hmm. here on the show or as a, as the the baby itself is called Todo es eventual. <laughs> Todo es this eventual. Is Todo es eventual. <laughs> it's a Spanish film, I believe. Is it from Spain? No. I don't know. No, I think I think it's not from Spain. In fact, pointedly not from Spain. Pointedly not My from bad. Spain. Where is it pointedly uh, from then? Pointed well, if I had to point at a map, right? Yeah. Um I don't know, somewhere in Latin America. I was trying to figure this out and I couldn't do it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's okay, Dan. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of information on. Uh, you know, usually you can you can kind of find this stuff, but yeah, I couldn't really find anything on it either. Um, but it is on Vimeo. You can look mm-hmm. it up. Todo es eventual. Um, what is this, that, Dan? Did you like this story? Let's start there. The story or the well the, the like short film the short film abstracted the story if you average out the film and the short story yeah um I once I realized where it was going I was like okay this could be this could be pretty interesting mm-hmm. and I actually I kind of like how the short story handles it more. Okay. Where like there's no crisis of conscience. Uh-huh. He's just kind of just like, yeah, I'm I'm just like a piece of shit. Who, <laughs> I'm, I'm basically like a drone operator who never has any <laughs> any misgivings about right. my fucked up job because right. I get I have cool nudie magazines and yeah, <laughs> right because I'm a 19 year old kid. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm yeah. essentially a, a drone operating child soldier. and that's okay and that's okay yeah and that's okay i especially i think for the short film format um that's the way you want to tell it yeah and i think it does a really good job of sort of like 
parallel cutting between the different phases of this kid's life. Uh-huh. You know, just like jumping back and forth and sort of like overlaying, you know, him killing a bug and him killing a dog and him killing right. 200 people or whatever. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's almost interesting, I guess is where I'm at. See, like from just like the um uh like technical aspects of the the short film, I thought they did a mm-hmm. nice job. Um Agreed, yeah. Uh, like the the camera movement and work and whatever, uh, I think it's all kind of it, it goes nicely with the story. And then, like you're saying, the intercutting with like um, different stages in his life, and then like you know some of the <laughs> I I, pro- I could have done with a little bit less stock footage maybe, but you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, I saw the runtime. I was like, oh great, this is I a know. long one. But then when you subtract the credits and the stock footage, it's like five minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thirteen of the of the eighteen minutes of this are just stock footage, right? Um. So yeah. Um, no, but I I did like it. I thought I thought it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I think the thing I was like, I I shouldn't say impressed with because like this this is like a guy who like works on movies from what I can tell mm-hmm. Xavier Coronel is the director's name. Okay. Um, it, I think what I was like pleasantly surprised with, I guess is yeah. the fact that it's all, the story is told in voiceover narration. Yeah. And the sort of like montage nature of the visual aspect didn't like it, it didn't feel like boring or um, unconsidered, I guess. Yeah. Like it, it really, it felt everything felt pretty deliberate and eventual. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, I mean, that is what you want uh, as a filmmaker. You want to, you want it to seem that way. You want it to seem like sure. you're, you're making all those choices. Um, yeah, but hey, not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. No. No, um, no. Yeah. We, uh, we open. With uh, it's like the outside of a uh, could be a house or an estate, and the gate slides open. Uh, it's like this tall, sort of a reverse, uh, reverse Marin. Yeah, he's instead of locking the gates, he's opening those gates. Yes, (laughs) Um, uh, and you see like a like a younger guy walk out with like looks like some garbage. He he throws the garbage on the curb and then reaches in his pocket and throws a change in his pocket in the sewer, um, in like a drain. And then he walks back in and the gate closes behind him and it says, Todo es, Todo es, uh, eventual. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. these shots of just like the outside of whatever this like building is and whatever, like the compound is, I was like, Oh, they got like a, uh, good location here <laughs> like yeah for yeah. the you know the exteriors and then you go inside and it's like this fucking it's like a nice mansion and yeah totally he goes on to say i uh what is it i i have a good job something like that yeah yeah um yeah and and he goes on to talk about talk about his job which is i don't know if it's super clear what his what he's doing 
in like I read the story first, right? And then I Same, watched this. Yeah. So I already knew what he was doing. But if I didn't know what was going on, I'm not sure I would uh understand piece it together. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I feel the same way. Like again, it's like it's not in English. It's like not you know, it's not an American thing, so maybe there are some like other clues that we're not picking up on. Could be. But just from the dialogue and what's on screen as far as I could tell, yeah, it it was not super clear. And like it really does kind of owe a, a plain explanation because it's like a, a pretty far-fetched idea. Right. It, it's not as simple as just somebody being a drone uh, operator, like a drone strike operator or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's basically like, like he he's like kind of programming, not Manchurian candidates, but you know what I mean? Like, He's sort of like act. He's like creating triggers, and then also activating them, like right. to get people to commit suicide. Yeah, right? like, like a uh, like an MK Ultra kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and like he, you know, I don't know how I can't remember how clearly it's said in the short story, but like the idea is like he works for some like shadowy government. Yeah, uh, cutout or whatever, and um, they just pay him to to kill political enemies basically. Right. Um this like it it's clear that um what he's doing is like harming other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <Yeah>. that's <laughs> but it, it's not it really doesn't seem clear how it's it, it all works. Um mm-hmm. like we see him like sketching out all of those like uh they're essentially like sigils, um, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't think that's explained at all. <laughs> like, it, not really. I mean, there's like <laughs> I I think the closest thing you get to an explanation is the bug walking on one and then dying, yeah, right? Which again, the, if you don't know what's going on, you are not going to understand right what just happened. I don't think count. it. I don't think it's clear when he kills the dog that no, right. It's just like he scribbles on the sidewalk, then writes the word Rottweiler and draws an arrow to the scribble. Yeah. And then uh, we, as the audience are supposed to kind of infer that that is lethal to a dog. Right. (laughs) With the the short story is all told in like the first person. So mm-hmm. our main character is narrating the entire thing. So it's all basically internal monologue, or most of it. Um, when you take that away, um, you really have to sort of show or plainly kind of state like what's going on. Um, yeah, just a quick little, a little like, uh, he, like he says, I never, uh, I I never thought I'd be mailing sigils to people to get them to commit suicide, but here I am. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, despite it being unclear, uh, a lot of, I mean, it seems like a lot of the narration is like lifted almost verbatim from the short story. Right. Right. It's very faithful. It is. Um, but, like, it, 
you know, at a certain point, he's talking about like, oh, when I was a kid, I always knew that there was like, um, I had, I could do something. Like I knew, I just knew I could. And then, uh, you know, the one day he's like, and then I put it to the test or something like that. And that's the day when he like, you know, uh, the dog is barking at him and he draws a sigil and writes Rottweiler and points to the thing, whatever. And then it cuts to like the, like a shot from across the street of the property where the dog lives. And then a woman walking past it, looking through the bars and the fence and then like gasping and running away, which doesn't, mm. I, I don't, I, you know, I know that the dog is dead because I read the story, but that didn't show it. <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah. that was, that was not it. Um, yeah. So much depends on how you interpret the bug dying in the beginning. Yeah. And I saw the bug die, but I did not take it as, Oh, the bug like walked across this and, um, you know, he died because of that. Right. Um, we also see our main character uh, reading some porno mags. We do, we, and we get some nice loving shots of the inside <laughs> of the porno mag. I wasn't expecting to see a vagina uh, in my Stephen King short films, but here we are. Um, I, uh, I'll tell you what. If I'm Stephen King, I'm seeing that. I'd say I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I'd sell that for a dollar. <laughs> his dollar baby that's right <laughs> he wants to make an adaptation of the porno mag that he saw in this look at those bazoomies <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah so this kid um he he talks a lot about how everything in his life is taken care of for him um mm -hmm. how you know he just has to write whatever he wants down on like a dry erase board and uh he has people bring it to him and mm -hmm. like it could be anything you know he writes down a, a list of food but also he wanted the new weezer album and they brought they brought him that um, yeah it just seems could it's you imagine wanting that <laughs> i know i, I was hard to the the story the short story takes place or uh it was written in 1997 which like that that all checks out as far as like <laughs> you know yeah wanting the new Weezer album and whatever <laughs> yeah um, and honestly like I mean I guess we'll get into it in the second half but like that's really interesting that this was written in ninety seven it's like before before September eleventh sure and it's just like in, in the traditional sense Stevie's well, pretty woke on like on like you know like clandestine intelligence sure. work you know <laughs> that's like clearly a thing that he's very interested in anyway like we read that one goofy story i can't remember the name of uh -huh. about like the journalist who gets like captured or whatever oh yeah yeah, yeah. and he like um yeah, yeah. He super spies his way out of it yeah yeah or like in the, the death room in the death room there's also the terrible poem the worst thing we've ever done the terrible poem. The terrible poem. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so he's like, it, it, and like hearts in right. Hearts in Atlantis is like kind of, yeah, it's got a component of that. Yeah. There's like it. Um, I mean, it feel, it felt a little like, um, uh, the shop, you know, from like the earlier yeah. Stephen King stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this like shadowy government organization that this kid's working for. And like, uh, it is inter- It is kind of interesting that he wrote it in 97 when like, but I guess that, that is sort of the idea, right? That like, you know, we're saying that, Oh, this is similar to like, like, uh, you know, somebody who controls drone strikes, right? Who, who mm-hmm. is thousands of miles away dropping bombs on, you know, people with a drone. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, in 97, we still had whatever, you know, the equivalent of that. Like people, you know, pilots flying planes and dropping bombs. Essentially the For same sure. thing. Yeah. It's like, like this level of detachment from, uh, you know, these uh, horrible things that are happening. For sure, yeah. And, like, I mean, again, we will get into this in the second half of the show, but just while we're on the subject, it, um, like, he goes to uh, some lengths to point out the sort of, like, historical precedents right. for what's happening in the story, right? Like, he talks about Vietnam, specifically, like, one of the people that get gets killed in the short story, like, pro is, like, a former general, mm-hmm. like, a U.S. Army general who, like, protested the Vietnam war or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, there's like, there is definitely some awareness of that. I think the thing that's like the thing that I'm like most impressed by is like, he, he's taking like in 97, he's like very aware of the fact that like, (laughs) that's kind of like the peak of, uh, everyone's needs being met and the yep. machine just like kind of humming at hyper speed. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. um, fully like, <laughs> yeah, fully like greased up and yeah, like, yeah. Humming at hyper speed and everybody is just along for the ride, not noticing that it's overheating right. as a, <laughs> it's going to blow as our, <laughs> as our protagonist would say, everything is eventual. Like, yep. uh, in the, in the sense, Okay, let's talk about that because that yeah. happens in the short. That's also something that's that doesn't seem very clear to me in the short film is how the word "eventual" is being used as like slang he, for. Does he for, say it? He does say it in okay. the short film, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't know if it makes it any clearer. <laughs> um, yeah, he just says that. Yeah, this kid used to work at a uh, like a, a supermarket, and he used to work with a guy who instead of saying something was awesome or good, he would say it's eventual. Like, yeah. Oh man, those shoes are eventual. Um, which and, yeah, th- this is, this to me is an example of like a Kingism that like that you really see the, um, the machinery turning. It's like, yeah, much much like the Mac the Mac computers described in this short story, uh, you can see all the insides and see <laughs> see what's yeah. powering it. Like it it feels totally inorganic and sort of like the like uh, implications of the choice of word are super obvious. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> uh, it, I I I I think it's so dumb and. It, like you're saying, it's that obvious Kingism. It's mm-hmm. like uh, he's he's <laughs> really really forcing this. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And in the short story, he says it. I don't know a hundred times, one hundred <laughs> times. And what really annoys me is that 
um, the character of Mr. Sharpton laughs every time he hears it. Like, he's so proud of Stephen King, which is (laughs) also interesting. Like, just in terms of like him as him as like a like a liberal boomer, like his relationship to the government, he is like sort of like very um, uh, what's the word impotently protesting by writing something like this. Sure. Yep. You know, um, but also we're talking about the short story and not the short film, which. Right. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> we don't do that yet. So in the short film, though, um, our, uh, I forgot our, our main character's name here. Um, well, our main character, whatever. Uh, he's talking about the guy that he used to work with, Nacho, who smashed his fingers. Nacho with- Varga from Breaking Bad and uh, yes. Better Call Saul. Right. Yes, yeah, so uh-huh. this is a shared universe situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a shared universe. Um no, he's talking about how the nacho guy like smashes fingers in a like a shopping cart, and I, I don't. He doesn't talk about like killing that guy, but he does kill mm-hmm. him. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, but he doesn't talk about it, right? Like I no, he doesn't <laughs> seem to. Yeah, I don't know. It, it the the short story is fifty pages long. And not a whole lot happens in it, so it is like heavy on uh, internal monologue and you know backstory. And they 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 bring it up like several times that he, you know, was somehow responsible for this guy's death. But mm. in the short film, they really don't touch on it at all. Um, it, it, everything is very sort of abstract and. You know, they they make a mention of like, oh yeah, this guy Nacho, he's like, whatever, and then that's kind of it. They yeah. don't they they don't dive into it really. And honestly, like I think even without mentioning that he kills him, it's still like, it works. You know, right? Like if mm-hmm. this if this character is just like someone who's like in his way looking to get revenge on like his bullies and just like. Well, you know, yeah. right, right. The personal wrongs of his life. Like it doesn't necessarily matter if he kills Nacho. Sure. Um, but it is sort of like, I mean, in the, in the way the short story is told, it's like the, ins- I don't know if inciting incident is the right word, but it's like the thing that connects him with the group that hires him to do these murders. Right. So, um, it is, yeah, it just, like, it functions differently. I think it's maybe less, um, less heavy, uh, or, like, less integral to the story. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, kind of a nice little character detail for this this guy who's just, like, who doesn't share, like, the moral quandaries. I think his name's Peepo, right? That's the, oh, that, yes, it's Peepo. Yeah. So, so Peepo is different from uh, Dinky, who is the main <laughs> character in the short story, in that, yeah, he doesn't have the same sort of, like, moral qualms, really. He's just yeah. like, my shit's all good. And I think it's, like, I don't know, I do, I do like something about that, where it's, like, yeah, I had this, like, um... You know, I was like 
terrorized by the scary dog. I had this bully, uh, and I have now retreated into this this job where, like, not only are all my needs met and no one is bugging me, mm-hmm. but also I get to kill people and like take some of that power back. Right. You know, he's just like a complete piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> Uh, right. Uh, in this, yeah, he is just a piece of shit. Um, yeah, he's basically like, uh, the short film, he's just kind of bragging about how, how cool his life is right now. How like all of his needs are being met except for like, um, you know, they, they don't buy him porno. So he has to get that himself. (laughs) Yeah. That's about it. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, everything else is like, you know, hunky dory for him. Um, after he tells the story about the dog and like him drawing the, the, the sigil thing and with the Rottweiler and then the dog dies, then it just sort of like, it cuts to him sitting at his computer, just saying like, I have a good job. And like, yeah. you know, it, um, yeah, it just doesn't, no qualms about it. No qualms. Yeah. You do get some, like, I don't know. you, the film kind of focuses a lot more on like how alienated this guy is. Um, sure. I mean, so the short story does too, but like in the short story, it's much, <laughs> much clearer. Like I think really what Stephen King's doing in the short story is like ringing the alarm bell about the internet being like <laughs> the most destructive force known to man. <laughs> yeah. Right? Cause and, like uh, the thing, yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, we will get into why. And he is right. Um, but like, there's a part in the short film where like he is, he's kind of just like, he's like, uh, he's like, I'm thinking about taking a bowling again. Like I used to with my, yeah. my one friend, like, and, uh, uh, Manu, I think his name is. Yeah. Manu. Yep. Uh, and he's like, he says, I think I miss him. Yeah. yeah. Which is like very interesting. Right. Um, yeah. you know, to, the other thing too, like he's a 19 year old kid, right? Yeah. Which like, I don't know, man. I feel like, like teenagers, early twenties, like sociopaths. Most people are totally. sociopaths. Yeah. Right. Like they're so, you know, and they're all fucked. Like their hormones are out of control still. And like now they're supposed to be an adult. So they're either going to school or they're working, mm-hmm. but like, you know, they're just starting out their life and, you know, nothing can stop them. They're invincible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and all of this stuff, it was like, you know, oh, I think, right. Like his sort this, this guy's moral ambiguity about like just everything. He's just like, yeah, I don't really care like that. What I do kills people, whatever. And like, I think I miss my friend. I think, I don't know. I think, and he talks yeah. about his mom. And he's like, yeah, I don't really, she wants to come over, but I don't, I don't want her to come over. <laughs> like, yeah. And it is just like something this has like both have in common. is just like the apparent boredom and just like, yeah. Boringness of, sure. uh, of these characters. Like, um, yeah, just like, I'm thinking about getting back into bowling is just like, if someone told me that, I, yeah. I would like shiver. I would be, I'd be like, "Oh God, we're checking you into an inpatient facility." <laughs> Why? It's is, just is bowling no good, Dan. Come no, on. No, it's fine. But I mean, like juxtaposed against, uh, you know, these targeted, you know, like murders, is just weird. <laughs> like, you know, you hit send, and then you're like, 
I should go bowling more. Yeah, yeah. Why do I, I have bowling? I have to connect with people more. I think I'm isolating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you hear all that crazy noise behind me? Yeah, what is that? It sounds like um, the teenage dirt bikers of Philadelphia. Oh, hell yeah. So it's like 50 of them. It's pretty crazy. Uh, do you have to go join them or are you okay? Yeah, well, I uh, I think they're wait because usually I do my uh, boxing training around this time. Oh, okay. I run down Broad Street and they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they follow me in Pop Wheelies. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So they're like, come they're, on. They're, they just drive around the city looking for people jogging so they can <laughs> for follow amateur them and boxers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, it ends with him sitting in front of the computer and saying, I have a, uh, I've got a good job now, everything I need, and no reason to feel bad. And that's. Uh, Ah, that's pretty fucked up. And mm-hmm. I don't believe him. I, I think yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, um, it's, it's a little heavy handed. It's like when you go online, you say having a normal one. Yeah. Not <laughs> right. I have no reason to feel bad. Not, not, not actually not. Uh, the, yeah. He, he talks about how like, how eventual he feels. And he's like, I f- this is the most eventual I've felt in my entire life. Yeah. You can't just make one word into another word. First off, <laughs> you can't just do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess like, yeah, I mean, you can't, but if you ignore how annoying it is, it is just like, I don't know. Eventual, what words are we associating with this? Inevitable. What the actual definition or yeah, the story? Yeah, yeah, like, and yes, inevitable. Like the other, the alternate meanings, and then there's also like the word event in there. So I guess that's like a little irony too, or it's like I I feel eventual, even though nothing is happening to this guy. Like he's removed all events from his life, basically. Yeah. Um, but Dan, how? Besides having to, like, kill people via letters, mm-hmm. right? How do how do you feel about this guy's life? I mean, it's not great to be isolated like that. But, like, it's nice to have your, all your needs met like that, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I guess that's kind of the point, right? Like, I don't think... Like, it's boring, and I mean, my, my personal read on it is sort of like that seems like a little bit like you're in prison if your meals are basically like coming through a slot or whatever. Well, yes. Uh, when and I was reading the story, I was I was waiting for the turn where he just says that like he's in some sort of a prison. Yeah, but, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But like even ignoring all that, like if you because like there is a definite appeal to that, and I think there's meant to be, and I think the point is just like to consider like like. There's no con- like convenience exacts a toll somewhere, right? Like, is it that like having absolutely everything taken care of you like that, right? You don't have to worry about your food or where your Weezer CDs are coming from. Just like, <laughs> I, you- and by the way, all, all of my Weezer CDs are ethically sourced. All right, well, I don't have any. I don't have any blood Pinkertons in my. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, <laughs> um, but be, having all of that taken care of, so you don't have to think about it, right? Like, what does that do to you? Uh, it, it, is it asking the question, I guess, what does it do to you morally? You know? Yeah. Do you, since you don't have to worry about, like, your own survival, that's, like, taken care of. Food, shelter, all of the, like, necessities of life are taken care of. So now you just, you only really need to think about, like, uh, you know, how how you're going to kill the next person and then what you're going to do with the other, like, 23 and a half hours of the day. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think does that just drain you mentally to the point where you're like, I don't care about anything. You just become like very nihilistic because you don't have to worry about some things. Same way that like, uh, you know, like millionaires, billionaires or whatever, uh, they don't have to worry about like where their next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that's just not a thing that they care about. And in, uh, and they don't care about where other people are getting their meals from either, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think there's like, there's definitely a bit of that where it's like when, yeah, when your needs are all met like that, you, whether or not you're like basically stuck in your house or not, yeah, you become kind of like detached from, like humanity, humanity, humanity yeah. exactly. Cause you're not, um, you're not aware of what goes into any of any of those things. Yeah. I mean, if you cut yourself off from other people like that, right? Like he's talking about his friend that he thinks he misses or whatever. Um, like those people that are in your life, your inner circle that, you know, you choose to be in your life. They choose to be in, you know, their life. Uh, you know, there's no, like that, that's like a reflection, right? Yeah. So like you have these people that you care about and they care about you. Then you might have some sort of a moral question about what you're doing. Totally. Profession. Right. Well, I, I also think it's interesting, right? Like he talks about Nacho, his bully, yeah, we don't know if he kills Nacho or not, but I, you know, like I, we were. I do remember he writes a letter. Uh, he does write a sigil, and then he label he writes Nacho's oh, name right. on it. But okay. that's it. That's yeah, yeah. But even that, he's like, I don't know. He's like when he's talking about his friend, he's also saying like, I I think about Nacho too and what he did to me. Yeah, and like, um, God, I really am having trouble remembering this short story, but. I mean, in the short film, but in the... Uh, I, um, for some reason, I'm having... I just watched it, and it's already, yeah. like, left my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I wonder if it's just, like, because we were reading the dialogue and not hearing it. It's uh-huh. just, like, we're processing maybe, it differently, but... Maybe maybe uh, maybe we got MK Ultrad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But, like, he, he has the line, right? He doesn't, like... He doesn't say whether he feels bad or not, but what he yeah. does say is, like, I'd forgotten how much I hated him. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, like, even that, like, I, I feel like there's something to be said for the idea of, like, not that, like, I'm not pro, I'm not saying I'm pro-bullying, but, like, <laughs> I think, like, being, like, I don't know, part of being alive is, like, having bad shit happen to you. Right. And that also develops your sense of empathy, because if you're like, sure. well, I've I've suffered some, some bullshit in my life, like... right. 
when it happens to someone else, you're like, oh, damn, I know what that's like. Yes. Um, so even taking that away from himself, you know, insulating himself from the possibility of anything bad happening to him, like it deteriorates your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why I joined a fight club. <laughs> nice. That and I felt like destroying something beautiful, but that's a separate matter. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Let's, All right. Well, uh, before we before we rank, I see yeah. I see the Giz. Yes. I see Gizmo, your cat is here. Gizmo, the cat is here. So let's Whoop. let's. Oh wow, looking like a chud with her <laughs> chin tucked in. Oh wow, very cute. Uh, Giz Watch twenty twenty three. What's Giz the latest Watch. with What's the latest with the Giz? Uh, the latest is she's doing pretty good. She's good. eating on her own. I have good. to give her shots every day, and she yeah. hates it. Shots of. <laughs> Tequila. Tequila. She's a little tequila cat. El Gato. El El Giz. Luck is. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, she looks amazing. Yeah, she's She's, doing pretty good. She's got to put on some more weight. Uh, She's a little too skinny there. When I got her, she was 10 pounds. Now she's 8.3. Ooh. That's a lot for a cat. Yeah, That's a lot for a cat. So we're we're trying to uh, fatten her up. Uh, with treats and whatnot. Good, 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 good. You hear that? Yeah. A gentle purring. A gentle purr of the giz. <laughs> uh, queen gizzard. That's what <laughs> yeah. I say. Yeah. All right. You want to rank this thing? Yeah. Let's fucking rank it. Okay. So we're on to baby rankings. Baby rankings. For some reason, even though we don't do this with anything else, yeah, uh, we uh, we're gonna rank. We have an ongoing list, right? Yeah, it, it it's. I feel like it's lost its meaning, but we got to keep going with it. So. Of course, of course. So, Rob. Yeah. Where would I put this? Where? Where do? Where indeed? Uh, <sighs> will you put it in the top? Five alongside the woman in the room, one for the road, the lawnmower man, the moving finger, or the revelations of Becca Paulson, or no. will it, or will it possibly go in your bottom five with here there be tigers, Harvey's dream, night surf, Uncle Otto's truck, and paranoia chant, which is the bad poem I referred to <laughs> earlier. <laughs> that is a bad poem. Um, it's quite bad. Ooh, so like. I don't know. I think I wanted to like this a little bit more than I actually liked it. Mm. Um, I'm going to put it, let's see. I'm going to put it above the, I'm going to put it above grandma and below suffer the little children. Oh, you liked Uh, this less than suffer the little children. Um, I, I know we just did. What was that one? Oh, that was with the. Mm. That was with Ann Bobby. That or was whatever her name is. I, Bobby. Ann? Oh, Bobby. <laughs> did you see? Um, at one point, the kid in this sh- uh, short film is watching uh, King of the Hill. I sure did. Yeah, I wonder if <laughs> I did not notice like the scene or anything. If there was like any <laughs> relevance to yeah. the short story, but let's assume. Let's assume there was. Right. Yes. Um, oh, you know, we left behind uh, 
suffer the little children. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Who's that? Ooh, do I put it there? Do I put it? No, I'm I'm leaving it where I was. It's gonna go in number nineteen with everything. Uh, it's apostrophe s, yes, right? Eventual. Yeah. Everything's hey. eventual. Hey, nineteen. Hey. Rainbow gold. Well, all right. So, Dan, what about you? Is it going to be in your top five with The Woman in the Room, The Lawnmower Man, Word Processor of the Gods, The Moving Finger, and One for the Road? Or Or will it be in my uh, six through (laughs) ten? Yeah, or will it be in your middle 25 (laughs) with... You know, it's a good question. It's a good ass question. And thank thank no, honestly, thank you for asking it. That's the truth here. So what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think I think for me personally this is interesting of me, I think what I'm about to do. <laughs> so I have the I have my my murderer block in nineteen and twenty. And mm-hmm. 21, where it's all, it's Strawberry Spring, The Man Who Loved Flowers, and Suffer, The Little Children. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do is I think for its socio-political commentary, Ooh. I'm going to put this also at 19, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to go between Grandma and Strawberry String. It's so good that we do this so that we can see the barely, the almost imperceptible differences in our opinions. <laughs> this is a, uh, yeah, it, it feels incredible. It's just so accurate as to like, uh, so do you like it? Yeah, I do. Uh, and I... <laughs> We are we differ maybe ten percent on uh, our opinions here. <laughs> that's that's right, <laughs> and that's what makes it such a compelling show. Is it's like a, a, oh, yeah. a variety of perspectives, you know? Right. Um, uh. All right. So that's our ranking. Uh, if you are a Patreon member, you already know. You we'll be right back with uh, the short story. If you're in line to hear the second half of the show, stay in line. (laughs) That's a little loading. If you're not a Patreon member, uh, this is where we part ways. But if you want to, you go check it out over Patreon. Five dollars a month gets you all kinds of bonus content. Plenty of plenty of room in the tent. Refreshments. That's right. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes we play. The King of the Hill theme song by the band The Refreshments. <laughs> um, so, all right, Rob, we'll be right back. I'm going to ask that we take an actual little break before. Yeah, let's do the that. Second half. All right. All right. We'll see you in a bit. Bye. <laughs> 